Welcome to Hit Your Second Shot First with Paul Horton, the PGA of Canada's National Teacher of the Year and National Coach of the Year. I'm Bruce Dobigan, and we are live on the green at Heritage Point Golf Club in Calgary, Alberta, with some very exciting news for you, plus a crash course on aim point putting, which so many of the pros, you may have seen it at the U.S. Open, are using to help them with the flat stick. Hope you've had a chance to find our first two episodes on the PGA of Canada website. We'll give you the links to finding them a little later in the show. In episode three, we are headed here to the practice screen for some good news about golf instruction in the country of Canada. A major golf communications name is coming to Canada, and I'll let Paul tell you about it in just a moment. In Paul's pointers, he'll give us a little guidance on aim point putting, which Paul has helped to introduce here in Canada. Then in playing the field, I'll ask him to assess the U.S. Open just completed at Shinnecock Hills. They're calling it the slaughter at Shinnecock. With that, let's bring in Paul Horton with some great news on a new direction for golf instruction here in Canada. Hi, Paul. Hi, Bruce. Good to see you. And, and you too. It's a, just an absolutely gorgeous view here. And that leads me to my first subject. Now, everybody in golf watches NBC's Golf Channel. You are now affiliated with Golf Channel Academy's perhaps the best-known teaching resource in North America. Tell us how this came about. Well, uh, a fellow named Lauren Anderson started this group called the Proponent Group about 10 years ago, back in 2007. And uh, Lauren was previously uh, the managing editor for instruction for Golf Magazine, had worked for Golf Digest and Golf World uh, prior to that. And Proponent Group is a network of top-tier golf coaches and instructors around the world. And Lauren started this group, and I knew Lauren uh, a few years previous to that. And I became a founding member of this group back in 2007. And so we built a relationship over the last uh, 10 years or so. And he approached me this winter uh, with the opportunity of opening up a Golf Channel Academy here in Calgary and being the first in Canada. So it was really exciting stuff. What's the significance of Golf Channel choosing you guys here at Heritage? Well, uh, you know, we've, we've built a strong relationship with, with Lauren and, and Proponent Group. And Proponent Group was uh, sold to the Golf Channel. So that's how that all started. Um, the uh, it was a no-brainer for us. I, I should mention that uh, you know I'm partnering up with a good friend of mine, Bob MacArthur and Tiffany Gordon, who just came over from 27 years at Cottonwood. Um, we're basically equal partners in this whole deal, and excited to bring it to Canada. It's uh, I guess groundbreaking in in the world of golf instruction, certainly for Canada. So. Um, it, it means a lot that, that we can sort of network with a worldwide, um, uh, I guess, expert in terms of uh, a group of uh, like-minded coaches around the world. And so we got uh, worldwide exposure and we're on their uh, national website. So for those people looking for a coach, they can go on to golfchannelacademy.com and, and find Bob or Tiff or myself on, on the website there and, and get all the info you need. Does this mean we may see you on Golf Channel at some point with uh, with uh, Sean Foley and all the boys? Well, Lauren says there's a high probability that uh, you know I would get a chance to go on Morning Drive or some show like that, so that would be exciting. I'm presuming this will be the first of some Canadian locations. I don't think this will be the last. It seems like that's something they want to grow. What does it mean for a Canadian golfer when they show up at a place like here at Heritage Point uh, to be instructed? Well, I think the the Golf Channel Academy is looking to locate in major centers around Canada, and I think the goal is to set up four or five training centers 
uh, throughout Canada by the end of 2018. I think to the the local golfer in Canada, it gives them um, opportunity to access uh, top tier coaches uh, very easily yeah. uh, in major markets. Yeah. Well, it's, that's exciting. It's a it's a real uh, asset for you guys here, and hopefully uh, they'll get some more of them across Canada. Uh, on to Paul's pointers. I, I was laughing this weekend, watching this past weekend, watching the U.S. Open uh, and seeing uh, Dustin Johnson using the aim point system. Of course, if you don't know what it is, you, you, you may have seen him and his brother, his caddy, holding up one fingers, two fingers, etc., as they were doing it. Uh, some of the people on the broadcast, I think Paul Azinger thought that it was Greek. He had no idea what it was. Curtis Strange is a little more accepting of it. Uh, but we're seeing this around North America now and around the world, and it's it's having some results. Explain what aim point is. Is and why it works well aim point is is very simple uh, really it's you're just learning one skill you're learning how to measure side tilt in your feet which basically causes the ball to break um, the knock on aim point in the past is it's it's too complicated and you know some of the announcers uh, like Azinger and so forth may not know all the details of, of aim point but uh, the knock on the past was that it was very difficult or too much math involved and, and really it's quite the opposite and you know I've had eight-year-old kids uh, go through my class and, and get it so if you can count to four it's it's that easy <laughs> well what is the fingers thing all about well we again teach people how to measure side tilt through your feet because the eyes can deceive and we we teach players to measure or quantify the side tilt that they're measuring through their feet from a value of one to four, um, and those numbers represent a percentage of slope on the green, and the holes won't be cut on more than four percent uh, because the the hole becomes un unputtable yeah. basically. And typically at a U.S. Open, if if the holes are uh, on less than three percent, uh, everything should be fine. So when yeah. the holes are cut on three percent or higher at, at those speeds that the U.S. Open plays at. Uh, they become uh, they become touchy. Uh, we're going to talk about the U.S. Open in a minute, but just uh, going back to the fingers and all that. So let's say one would be uh, the lowest sort of movement, and 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 four would be the highest. Is that what we're looking at when we see these guys doing this? Yeah, that's correct. So one is fairly flat, tabletop flat, and four is very extreme. Um, so we we teach players how to put a value from one to four, and and therefore. Um, Simplified, if, if you feel a value of 2% through your feet, you'd put up two fingers. Um, there are some slight um, procedure changes for short putts and medium putts and longer putts, but uh, you're basically putting up two fingers. That's where you would see uh, players like Dustin Johnson or, or Adam Scott put up a couple of fingers and, and uh, get their, their aim point from there. Now, a lot of guys go out and play with their pals, and women play with, with their pals, uh, and, and they're afraid of slowing down play. They're afraid that, oh, you know, the, what, what is this stuff? You're walking around the green, et cetera, and there's always that urge to hurry up, and, you know, you've got the courses pushing you, et cetera. Is, is, frame point, is it a slow process? I mean, how long does it take to, to, to go through this process that you're talking about before you hit the putt? Well, if, if you know what to do, it takes about 15 seconds to read the putt. So it's actually uh, helps in the pace of play. It speeds up play. Um, they've done some measurements with tour players who use it and those that don't. Um, it, it's really, it's quite fast uh, once you know the process. And it, it takes about two hours to go through the process. Um, so a two hour introductory class would get you through 
how to read any putt on any green and and you know players can take uh, take that information and their knowledge from that two-hour class and go straight to the golf course with it it's really simple so it doesn't slow you down eventually it speeds you up because you're not spending a lot of time i presume doing the wrong things yes exactly so you know our hashtag is stop crouching or never crouch um, what does that mean? Well, you don't have to bend down to line up your putt, okay. right? You might have to bend down to line up the line on your ball if you're one that puts a line on your ball. But, um, you know, we don't have to look at the hole from different angles that, that you see a lot of tour players that go from one side to the next. And, then, you know, they're, they're looking at it from the north, south, east, and west. And, and um, you know, we we feel the, um, the, the tilt in, in the, towards the middle of the putt, and we, we assess the value. We put up our fingers and away we go and really it shouldn't take more than 15 seconds for for really any putt even uh, complicated looking reads like double breakers and so forth are quite simple now we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast of course who are teaching golfers what are the what are the i mean I, it's a it's a huge subject and i'm asking you to, to, to simplify it but when you're when you're talking to these young instructors and you're telling them about teaching putting what are the fundamental things that you're trying to do, get across to that golfer who's completely lost confidence in their ability to putt? Well, there's four main areas for good putting. One would be having the, the right utensil, so the proper fit, the proper head design, uh, the proper loft and lie on the putter. Um, the other factors would be green reading and speed and aiming. And so we do, um, Aimpoint has a specific class on speed control um, and, and as well as aiming. Um, I also do uh, a class on setup and putt mechanics um, with, with aiming. Um, so how you set up ball position with the stance, your posture, all of that stuff plays a role in how the, how the putter potentially swings, um, how your eyes see, you know, see straight or not. So most people don't see straight. Uh, they're either left or right aim bias and you need to find out uh, typically what that bias is um, so they can help aim the putter where they want to aim it. Um, so if, if you can aim the putter where you want to aim it and hit the putt on a straight line with, with the speed uh, that you've chosen, that's all you can really do and ex expect, uh, expect a good outcome, but, but you can't worry about the outcome. You should work, worry about the process involved and not too many players get out there and they're grinding to make this six or seven footer to, to save or to make a birdie um, and often they can mentally just try too hard mm. to make the putt and it makes it more more elusive and all you're really trying to do is is do the the right process in terms of setup and then try to put a good roll on the ball and and uh, take what you get because you and I have talked in the past about the mental aspect of golf. You've read a lot. You teach a lot about the mental aspect of golf. It seems like nothing is more mental for a lot of people than putting. What do you tell them about the yips, about the I can't do it? Well, you know, the yips are a different category, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are some issues. Uh, the people that, that have trouble, usually it's it's past scar tissue that they've had where they've missed <laughs> missed uh, a series of short putts or something like that and so you need to start back at the the basics for someone who's really struggled with putting you know the way I start out is is I would get them to hit some eight foot putts that are straight up a hill for me so I can find out uh, is there a stroke mechanic issue 
Um, I also use blast motion technology that gives us 14 different metrics for putting, but um, you know, part of those metrics would be the timing of the stroke, the timing of the backstroke, the timing of the forward stroke. Um, and once the timing issues have improved, uh, a lot of the other stuff like face angle issue or path issues tend to improve and sometimes resolve themselves to the better. Um, so if, if somebody's really struggling, I would get them in closer at two, three feet and get them to see the ball go in the hole so they get to see uh, that's important. See some positive results rather than yeah. trying something that's too difficult. <laughs> so make the learning environment user friendly. I think that applies to the full swing as well. Um, once the environment is user friendly and the, the, the player starts to see putts go in, then you can start to move out and challenge the player and, and yeah. try with diff, you know bigger breaking putts and more speed control. You, you mentioned equipment, and I think almost every golfer has a garage or a basement full of putters they don't use anymore. Uh, it's, it's almost like a voodoo stick. People don't think technology with putters. They almost seem to think it's some sort of, uh, you know, superstition that you're using when you're putting. Give us a couple of things. If I'm going to buy a new putter, what I should be looking at? Well, you know, you need to look, like the look of the putter first. Um, what know, does that mean? Well... You know, there's basically two styles of putters. Uh, there's a, a blade putter, like a pig answer style, uh, which I've used my whole life. And there's a mallet style putter. So those would be the two uh, major uh, differences. Um, you know, that half moon type of putter. And there's many variations for, for both of those uh, models. Um, you know, if you're a left aim bias like myself, you, you actually f fit into a wider toe looking putter like a mallet style putter would help you aim straighter if you're a right aim bias for a right-handed player you would need a narrower toe that that would help you aim the putter better um, when i got fit by various uh, companies over the years you know they wanted to fit me into a mallet putter and and i was just so used to putting with the the ping answer style putter and I've stuck with that, so I just have to try and train myself that I know I'm a left aim bias, and I'm trying to yeah. figure out how to uh, what it, what straight looks like to me. The left right eye bias is a pretty simple thing to figure out, isn't it? It is, yeah. So again, if if you've got a eight or ten foot putt that's straight up the hill, what's the tendency? We we usually put a laser on the putter and get the player to aim the putter at where they think is the middle of the hole. Yeah. And then we reveal where the laser points them and, and then it becomes obvious whether they're on or not. Well, one other thing that we've heard a lot about lately, and I don't remember this growing up, but anyhow, is loft in putters. What, is, what does loft in putters mean? And is it something the average person should, should complicate themselves with? Well, the loft of a putter is generally, you know, two, three, four degrees. Um, I have a little um, uh, carpet, basically it's a velvet, a piece of velvet that measures the skid pattern of how the ball comes off the putter face which really indicates um, whether you have the correct loft or not because you want the ball to to have the proper skid pattern and then start to roll uh, efficiently um, on its way to the hole and so it's it's um, you don't need to get too complicated with it but if you if you're one with a forward press you might need to uh, you know get more loft on your putter mm -hmm. so that that it equates to proper loft uh, as you stroke the ball. I think back in the day, I heard Tiger Woods had a 5.2 degree loft mm -hmm. on his putter, something like that. Um, 
because he had some forward press in his stroke. And, and so generally, if, if you're in that three or four degree range, you're probably in a good range. Uh, speaking of putting, let's let, let's segue to uh, your observations on the U.S. Open just passed. Uh, putting was an enormous p part of it. Uh, the controversy, of course, uh, we'll address Phil Mickelson in a second, but the controversy about the setup and what the US, USGA has done for the setup, was it unfair this weekend in your opinion? Yeah, I think it was, uh, especially Saturday. Um, too many, Too many high scores, and if you look at the, the difference between the scores on Saturday and, and the scores on Sunday. You know, Ricky Fowler had a 19-shot difference, shot 84 Saturday and 65 on Sunday. Um, so there's no question they crossed the line on Saturday, and I think they realize that, and they've got to address some of those issues. And it's, it's too bad because it, it doesn't help the game when, when situations like that come up. Yeah, uh, obviously Phil Mickelson losing his cool on Saturday. Uh, I'm presuming it was his protest against uh, the setup of the greens when he putted a ball that was still in motion, uh, incurred the two-stroke penalty. Some people thought he should be DQ'd. In any event, he went on and played, shot a 69 on the final day. But but your sense of a guy like Phil Mickelson, a legend who's, who's who has a reputation as being a great ambassador for golf, what he did and what the impact is. Well, it was I was sad to see it, actually. I don't think it's should be part of the game and uh, it was John Daly-esque I guess back at uh, Pinehurst um, you know Phil is he's an icon in the sport and he's great for golf and I think he just crossed the line on on how to deal with the rules um, you know maybe he should have been disqualified uh, for that uh, he wasn't and I wonder if if it was a lesser named player whether he would have been disqualified you know, so I, I think it's it's uh, something that in time he'll regret. Mm. Uh, whether he does that right now, I don't know. But yeah. uh, he seemed to be quite comfortable with what he had done, and and you know, Protest. quite basic on his on his approach. He got yeah. tired of of going back and forth. <laughs> some some I have four putting will do that too. Some people say, oh come on, it's a, don't make a big deal out of it. He took the two-stroke penalty. But but one of the things with you is as an instructor is you're also teaching kids six, eight, ten years old, twelve years old, and watching a Phil Mickelson and the impact. I don't want to overblow it. I don't want to make Phil out to be a demon. But but these things do have an impact on the kids who you deal with. Absolutely. So that's one of the downsides to what he did. And, and uh, I think he'll start to realize some of that uh, if he hasn't already. Um, when we're coaching kids as they move up through the ages and to competitive golf, especially, we need to teach them the rules of golf. Um, and a lot of kids will learn the rules the hard way. And sometimes that's the best lesson is, is, a, is a hard lesson during a tournament. And, um, you know, it, it costs them something maybe it cost them the tournament uh, but they learn from that and they move on so uh, it happened to, uh, I think to many of us as competitive players you just you just learn through those experiences and, and it's um, you know a, a fellow like Phil Mickelson needs to project um, obviously uh, yeah some integrity with the game and I, I think he lost that you know just uh, like beef said a, a moment of madness <laughs> yeah beef would say that uh, briefly uh, once the USGA stopped interfering with the competition, we actually saw Sunday, it looked like a final day of the US Open. Just your comments on Kepka and, and a couple of the guys who were pursuing him on the last day. Uh, just your thoughts on, on, on the final day and, and how it resolved itself. 
I think in the end, you know, the best player won for that week. Uh, Brooks, uh, very strong mentally and, and showed a lot of confidence and played very well um, and deserved the win. Uh, very exciting to see Tommy Fleetwood come in with a 63 at the end and, and had a fairly straightforward putt on 18 to for a 62 and maybe uh, just thinking of that too much maybe got to him but it would have been interesting to see him make that putt and and uh, go into a, uh, a playoff which is a new format uh, for all the USGA events uh, two-hole aggregate playoff uh, which would have been interesting but uh, you know a lot of good play on Sunday um, you know the course maybe uh, was was set up a little bit too easy relative to USGA standards and and maybe they just um, you know they were just losing confidence and and wanted to be a little cautious on Sunday which is understanding yeah it, it is a great golf course and I think that they were anticipating having stronger winds again on Sunday they didn't get them and they softened it up a little bit in anticipation of stronger winds and it it produced well, as you say, almost a 62, uh, a 63 at the end. Uh, just briefly again, uh, the Canadian guys were part of the slaughter <laughs> on the weekend. Uh, Thursday and Saturday were the bad days. Mac Hughes and Adam Hadwin. Uh, great to be in the U.S. Open, but I'm sure it's not one that they'll look back on fondly. No, I mean, the golf course is, is very penal, and if you get going on the wrong side of things, it'll expose everything, yeah. all your weaknesses. So it's uh, it, it can happen at a venue like that, and especially a U.S. Open-style yes. uh, test. Um, you know, you just have to put it behind you and move on. You're listening to uh, Hit Your Second Shot First with Paul Horton, the PGA's National Teacher of the Year, National Coach of the Year. We are today at Heritage Point in Calgary, which is now the Golf Channel Academy teaching venue here in Canada, the only one probably won't be for long. I suspect I'll be getting some other ones uh, pretty soon. I, I know before we go, you, uh, you always want to uh, do a bit of a shout out to a couple of people. And uh, please uh, to tell us a, a few of the people that you got in mind this morning. Well, I want to thank the PGA of Canada for allowing us to do the podcast here. Also the PGA of Alberta, uh, Heritage Point Golf Club, uh, Nike Golf, Callaway Golf, uh, Aimpoint Technologies, Blast Motion, uh, and now the Golf Channel Academy relationship. And I want to thank my partners, uh, Bob MacArthur and Tiffany Gordon. And Bob's a past recipient of the Teacher of the Year of Canada. And Tiffany was the first female to ever win the Club Pro uh, National Award um, back in, I think it was 2005. So uh, very honored and proud to be partners with them. And we look forward to the, to the future. Um, I think, um, you know, great golf instruction and great coaching makes golfers better. Um, I would say that's a guarantee. Um, and when golfers play better, they play more, spend more, and enjoy the game more. So um, they're, they're likely to attract new players to the game if, if they're spreading the word as well. So look forward to the future. Yeah, the spend more. That's that's good for the people in the golf industry. Yes, indeed. <laughs> You've been listening to the, uh, the third installment of Hit Your Second Shot First with Paul Horton, the PGA of Canada's National Coach of the Year and National Teacher of the Year. I'm Bruce Dobigan. We look forward to chatting again. Now, you can find this podcast. If you missed it the first time around, you want to tell your friends where to find it, you can go to the PGA of Canada website and just put in uh, Paul Horton's name and you'll find it. Or you can go to my website, which is not the publicbroadcaster.com. 
com. That's not the public broadcaster, all one word, dot com. And of course, we'll have it on podcasts on our website. And when we come back in the next, I think probably come back next in July, it's time when a lot of the courses and a lot of the clubs are getting down to club champs. And I'm going to want to talk to you a little bit about, Paul, about coaching people who are about to get into a competitive situation like we saw with the U.S. Open and, and, and just what's different about that type of play for the average person. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much, Paul.